When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, Scott Bass. Um, NVS Fins, surfnvs.com is kicking off today's show for us. Yeah, look, uh, listeners know David and I love our NVS Fins. Um, <clears throat> if you've got a new board or an old board, what a way to spice up uh, your offering by putting in some new fins, trying some different stuff. And I know that's what David and I do with our NVS collection. And um, I love my NVS fins. Definitely. We also, obviously, we interview a lot of surfboard shapers here uh, are on our various podcasts. And uh, they do these collaborations with shapers. They do basically, they can do custom fins, but their minimum runs are nil. I think they could just do one-off sets even for minimums. So that makes it easy for a lot of smaller shapers. Uh, but a lot of larger shapers actually have collab projects with them. So among those are Album, um, Campbell Brothers, Dan Mann, Duke Ipa, Greg Weber, GNS, Skip Fry, believe it or not. They do a single fin with Skip. Stu Kenson, uh, Surf Prescriptions, Tim Crozier, Tim Bessel, Tim Stamps. So lots of great fins that you could just purchase from them if you own any surfboards from any of those shapers, or if you are a shaper, even just a backboard backyard shaper, and you have a specific board design that you want a custom fin for, you don't have to order hundreds. You know, you can just contact them, show them what you want to make, and uh, they can make a one-off for you. Yeah, uh, surfnvs.com, go check it out. Yeah. And then also Waterways Travel is with us as well. Waterwaystravel.com. Uh, Scott, you were talking about Papua New Guinea in the past. And I actually had a couple of listeners contact me to say that PNG has been on the top of their hit list for years. Yeah, it's funny when I think about traveling, I'm often thinking about what's off the radar and at the risk of putting it on the radar through our podcast. I feel like that's one that's off the radar, you know, a little bit like, yeah, okay, everyone's going to the mental wise or everyone's going to like mainland Mexico seems to be on everyone's hit list, especially here in California. So anyway, Papua New Guinea's one that uh, if you've done some traveling and you want to explore a new region and certainly a new culture, uh, I think yeah. Papua New Guinea would be a cool one to check out. You know what dictates whether or not you put it on the radar? What? Number one, how often you travel there. Like if you're going there all the time, then you're definitely not talking about it. But number two <laughs> is number two is how vocal the locals are about you talking about it. And it's like, because we don't know anybody in Papua New Guinea, it feels like, <laughs> oh yeah, we could just talk. We could blow it up. And we've never been there. We could blow it up. We yeah. want to go there. And uh, that's probably not, not yeah. a super fair policy to do. I agree with you. There's probably guys in Australia that, that are like, 
shh, be quiet. That's my little spot, you know, like, yeah, that's my little zone. And they're probably cringing right now. And we apologize in advance. Well, that's another one. Else. I'm interested. I'm interested. I, I'm mostly interested because I find the Papua New Guinea locals, the, first of all, there's a ton of World War II history there, and I'm kind of a geek on that stuff. So I'm interested from that perspective. But I mean, I guess I could just read a book instead of yeah. blowing up their surf spot. <laughs> totally. Um, Which I have. I have read the book. It's funny. I Culture, like cultural immersion is part of the reason why I choose places that I want to go. You know what I mean? Like the waves are one thing, but going somewhere interesting and cool. That's why we were talking about Peru a couple of weeks ago. Peru's at the top of my list. Uh, but yeah, Papua New Guinea would be at the top of the list for that as well. Like, I don't know what the food is like. I don't know any of that stuff. So whereas like Central America, I love and it's easy access and I know I can get good waves and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I've also been so many times and I understand the culture there a little bit better. And so I want fresh experience, you know, you know, yeah. it's a really cool one. Um, and I know this because I've been skunked there. I've gone to uh, Ponape, which is where P-Pass is. I, yeah, I'm not, they might call it Micronesia on the website. I'm not sure, but Ponape, I've, I went there and, um, you know, we got a couple of days of surfing, but it wasn't what you want to go there to get from a wave standpoint, but man, the Island itself was fascinating. We, we were told by locals to go to these waterfalls. There was these insane garden of Eden waterfalls that were like next level paradise, the kind of thing that you would see in like, you know, some sort of Monet painting or something. It was just next level. And there was a ton of world war II stuff. There was all hmm. these anti-aircraft armaments that were the Japanese trying to keep the Western forces away. And, um, and I think that there's kind of a still to this day, like an anti-Japanese vibe there on Ponape, the people, the locals there aren't big fans. Wow. But again, that's just, I, 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 I'm kind of riffing, like, don't yeah. hold me to that. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are pro-Japanese no, no, in no. Ponape as well. But that was your experience there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Anywhere you need to go in the world, waterwaystravel.com will get you there. Uh, travel one-stop shop, surf concierge. So travel intelligently, let them handle all the details. Waterwaystravel.com. As we see some movement at the takeoff zone, it's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry, this thing holding open, it spits. Uh, when it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit, spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. David, it's uh, Spit. Scott Bass, David Lee Scales. We're talking all things surf here. And we had a big day of surfing yesterday, David. And I understand you're feeling under the weather. Um, good morning. How are you? Hanging in there. Rough week in the Scales household. Uh, baby brought home a cold, and now it's making its way through the house. All right. That's parenthood. It really is, man. People yeah. warned me about this. They're like, don't let that baby leave the house. Don't let that baby go to the park. Don't <laughs> let that baby go to school. I'm like, you know what? He needs to develop his immunity. It'll be good for him. And uh, he goes to college right now, believe it or not. <laughs> Grandma. Does he, his... does he go to baby college? He does. Yeah. Um, wow. That's amazing. Is it literally called like, what's it called? Like TikTok baby college or something? <laughs> or what is this no. thing? He is pretty good with an iPad, but um, no, it's the le legitimate junior college nearby. Um, there's like oh. one mom in the neighborhood who knows 
everything to do with a kid like go to the library Mondays at 10 they have this reading program then go to this place on Wednesdays at 11 and they do this and so my mom who babysits for us um, has a full calendar mapped out because of Sandra in the neighborhood and one of the things was uh, the junior college does uh, class for kids basically like two days a week like an actual college schedule it's like two days a week from 10 to noon Uh, You have to sign up through the college website, all that sort of stuff. So my mom goes there and a teacher holds class, but the kids have like little learning assignments and all this sort of stuff, even though they're pre preschool, you know, he's 14 months. And uh, sure enough, wouldn't you know it within the second week, I think of going to that class comes home with a cold and then infected everybody else in the family. So here we are. I wonder wonder if I could, uh, past the curriculum there i might fail the baby college how <laughs> tough know. is it do you have a favorite color oh my god i'm already failing um <laughs> they encourage you to color outside the lines actually it's not even it's a more creative <laughs> curriculum oh really yeah. really yeah but that's, dude that's cool so here's just one little thing about being sick uh or having a kid that's sick you really learn to value sleep I mean, no joke, yeah. like in the last week, there are out the stretches of two and three hours in the middle of the night, sometimes twice that he's awake and I'm up. And so it's just, so then throughout the day, you realize how that affects your day, you know, just a lack of function, lack of motivation, lack of functioning, lack of focus, lack of everything. And just a general irritability, of course, on top of all of yeah. it. It's yeah. crazy. Well, look, let's talk a little bit of surfing. Um, Yesterday, we had a full day of surfing at the Billabong Pipeline Pro or Billabong Pipe Pro. And David, I'd like to talk claims. Talk to me about claims. I saw some claims. First of all, were the waves even worthy of claims? Secondly, is it really the waves that dictate if you should claim or not? Maybe it's your performance on a particular wave. And thirdly, Gabriel's claim in particular (laughs) seemed to be well thought out, well practiced, and um, something that you might see on the soccer pitch, basically. It looked like Gabriel's got the most professional claim. Like it was so fast and spontaneous, and it was sort of this like moment with him and with God and with nature, and there was some sort of Catholic Catholicism ingrained in it, and then there was a heart pound and some other stuff, and I don't know. Talk to me about Gabriel's claims. What are your thoughts on all of this? Too much, too little. Wow. Um, I'm, I'm not a fan. First of all, I'm not a fan. It feels, yes, you're right. It feels way too rehearsed. It feels way too. Surfing should not be rehearsed. You know what I mean? Surfing, the ultimate expression of surfing should be in the moment because no two waves are alike. And like seeing, I guess, some of the footage from last year when Kelly won and he's falling out of the sky at back door, you know, and then he gets blown out and there's a soul arch claim where he's screaming to the sky. I'm fully okay with that because again, that was in the moment. Like every element of that ride was completely not the opposite of rehearsed. It was completely improvised. And so when something wows you so much that your only response is psychosomatic and that is to soul arch and scream to the heavens that's the moment that we want in surfing what gabriel is doing 
in your example is mimicking what Kelly was doing. So it's like, oh, that's what happens when you get a 10. Okay, I'm going to replicate that. This is a facsimile of that to make everybody think that this was that exciting to me. But if you have rehearsed it and you're cognizant enough to execute a rehearsal, then you're the opposite. You're not in the moment at all. You know what I mean? And so it's really, uh, I'm anti. Well, let's give Gabriel the benefit of the doubt for the sake of this conversation and suggest that it was completely natural that that is in fact what he does all the time when something incredible happens while he's riding a wave. If in fact we believe that, or we start there as a basis, I point to all the free rides that I've seen of Gabriel. I rarely, if ever, see him do some sort of crazy claim. He actually yeah. rides out of it like, yeah, I do that every day, dude. I exactly. don't need to claim. I'm just right. going to kick out and paddle back out and, and check me out. Which So that's where, that's kind of where I have a problem with it, right? Is that it's not spontaneous, <clears throat> as you say. Like like with Idolo, I, I, I think Idolo does probably. I think Idolo claims when he like puts on his leash. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of claiming going on. But uh, with Gabe, I do think that it's a little over the top. And I do think that it's rehearsed. Well, the difference in those two scenarios is the claim is for the judge. You know, the claim is specifically for the people who are assigning scores to try to milk an extra half a point out of them. So that performative part uh, is exactly what you and I don't like. And by the way, it works. Like the judges, I mean... I hate to say it, but the judges are, are, um, it's impossible to objectively score the thing, obviously. And they are very subject to their emotions and very subject to influence by the surfer in the water, whether or not they already love that surfer before that surfer paddles out. Maybe that's their favorite surfer. Maybe it's the surfer they don't. And then things like that, they're completely um, subject to. And so the fact that you and I just want a, we do. We just want to see who's doing the better surfing in the water, and all of these other details that are artificial are the things that grind our gears. I think. Well, let me throw something at you. So the NBA has this thing called the flop. The National Basketball Association, the players there perform an action which is done so that they can influence the judges and or the referees in this case. And there is now, of course, anti-flopping rules in the NBA. If you flop and the and the referees believe that it's not uh, sincere or it didn't happen or that it's over the top or it didn't happen because of, um, you know, um, another player in, uh, engaging with you so that you have to flop, again, you get a technical foul. And so I'm wondering if we're getting into that space where we need to implement a rule uh, so that if you claim and you're doing so to influence your score, it's not a part of your ride, uh, you will be deducted. Something Is there some sort of rule that we, we need to implement here to, to put a, the kibosh or put a wet blanket on all of this claiming? As much as I don't love the artificial claim, I don't love the idea of the rule even more. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like implementing a rule is even more distasteful than just allowing somebody freedom of expression when they're right. surfing. Yeah. Um, however, 
what's most disappointing is how influenced the professionals are by the claim. Like I hear the commentators, by the way, multiple times. I didn't make it, I didn't make notes of it, but I mentally noted it and I wasn't even gonna discuss it until you just brought this up. But commentators saying, wow, if he claimed if Kanoa just claimed that wave, then you know it was good. It's like, yeah. no, Kanoa's claiming it to make you think it's good and you're putting your trust in Kanoa to tell you what's good, which is insane. You're supposed to be the professional. Yeah, I think it occurred to, I want to say Ethan Ewing's heat perhaps, where they were suggesting, oh, if he only had claimed it, he might've got the score. <laughs> insane. Yeah. Absolutely insane. All right, well, well look, um, tell me about your experience with yesterday's contest. Uh, the waves <clears throat> were... I'll start off real quick. I'll just say, yeah, look, please. the waves were okay. You know, like it was contestable, especially relative to the day before with the women, uh, you know, but it wasn't the waves are the stars type of competition. Oh, heck no. And, and because of that, there was moments in the day where I was like, oh, we're in the round of six. We're in the round of 32. We're in the round of six, mostly the round of 32. I'm kind of not as engaged. I know that I'd rather just deal with the final eight guys on finals day. And if the waves are crappy, I'll watch it because it's finals day, but you can't have round of 32 competition in finals, quote unquote, finals day, kind of lackluster surf, which is what we had. And of course, you know, look, sometimes mother nature takes control here and that's the situation with this uh, waiting period. But uh, I found myself wanting and, and also um, sort of wavering off of my viewing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look, the WSL's had a rough week. <laughs> Since you and I last spoke, they have had a really rough go. And by the way, um, largely due to their own doing, you know, like this is the consequence of their own kind of decision making. And we'll get into some of that later in the show. But yesterday was actually a highlight for the WSL as far as the week goes, where they were able to run a competition and there was drama, there was excitement, there was really, really good surfing throughout the day. Um, but not, of course, as good as what the Dehui backdoor shootout got, not as good at as uh, as exciting as the Eddy and stuff like that. But nevertheless, it was contestable. Um, what I do like about yesterday's, by the way, did my mic change at all for you? I feel like my audio just shifted. No, I hear the same quality and okay. sound. Yeah. Okay, cool. My hearing's also off, by the way. Um but what I liked about yesterday was kind of having different swell directions in the lineup made for a little more excitement. I would prefer perfect backdoor, perfect pipeline, bigger versions, obviously more swell in the water. But the fact that there was kind of a crossed up swell added to the excitement and the drama, because you really didn't know people could go left, they could go right. They were finding waves that maybe we hadn't seen uh, earlier in the day. So all of that created excitement, but could have been better. Absolutely could have been better. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously I think sort of the highlight, if you want to call it that, or the, the moment with the most drama was the Kiowa belly and Zeke Lau heat. Um, did you catch that? Yep. I was watching that one live too. Uh, why don't you walk us through that? I'll set it up real quick. Yeah. Kyle and Zeke had a crazy heat. There was an interference rule and there was some last uh, moment drama and heroics and claims <laughs> so by the way every season kyle gives us a handful of moments that i just go i am rooting for this guy 
he he came into that heat gunning. And by the way, didn't he beat Kelly Slater in round one? I think in the three-man heat in round one, he took down Kelly. Kelly got second, yeah. so Kelly still advanced through that. But anyways, Kyle's coming in so hot. And um, there was a wave earlier before the interference. It was a closeout at back door. I don't know if you saw that. I mean, it was a legit closeout, but he took off on it anyways and pulled up into the section kind of and then snuck out the doggy door while it was closing out. So it's hard to even say, it's hard to even describe it. I mean, it was a legit closeout. There's lots of times where we say the wave is closing out, but really it's closing out down the line. And so they get a barrel up until that point. This was almost just a full closeout, but he like hung up in the hook, in the like uh, hook for a moment and then shot out before the thing closed out. Anyways, he was manufacturing scores. There weren't a lot of scores. There was also a lot of straight ones that were just totally closed out. So people really had to pick and choose, but he manufactured scores. That was a wave that nobody else would have gone on and he got a score out of it. I don't know what it was, probably a four or five, but you know, enough to put him in the lead. So I loved that Kayo was just making it happen. Then there was a straight closeout there was nowhere to go right or left. When they show the pulled back camera angle, it was very evident that there was nowhere to go right or left. But Zeke had priority and Kayo was a little bit inside of Zeke. And so what Zeke did was paddle directly at Kayo to make it look like Kayo was blocking Zeke. And I was watching it in real time. And as the camera pulled back, I was like, oh yeah, it looks like maybe an interference, but no, the camera pulled back. There was nowhere for Zeke to go. That wave was a full-on closeout. If anything, he was on the back door side, not the pipe side, but he was acting like he was going to go pipe, but there was no, again, no wave to even go on. Well, the judges called an interference on Kayo. They go, oh, Zeke made a concerted effort for that wave. Kayo was right in his way. So Kayo's getting a blocking interference. I think there was about seven minutes left in the heat. Kayo is winning, but with a total a heat total of like seven, let's say, or eight. And so now Kayo, due to the interference, had one entire wave removed. So he's now, um, Zeke can basically get a combined heat total of nine and still beat Kayo. And so Kayo, uh, what, Kayo was still in the lead though, right? Yeah, Kayo was still, Kayo did have a seven on the board. I'm sorry. Kayo had a single wave score of a seven and then he had a backup score. The backup score was taken away. So now he has a single wave score of a seven. Now Zeke needs two waves to combine to 7.01 in order to win the heat, basically. Well, at the risk of confusing the listeners, yeah. I believe what happened is right before the interference, Kayo got a wave that was similar to the backdoor wave you talked about. He rode in the barrel. There is all the, by the way, at backdoor, there is a little doggy door moment, like really smart surfers can get that first tube and they know, oh, this one little spot will let me out. And you'll see Kelly Slater use it a lot. And a lot of good surfers know it. It's, it's a real, anyway, Kyle caught a wave, did that, got that uh, doggy door, raised his hands in the air. And I believe got a six, five, three or a seven. Okay. Then he paddled out and the interference happened, but we had not been told the score no, yet. So we didn't, that's I believe was. that that's the case. Right. So the position that we end up in is Kyle has the lead with about seven minutes left with only one wave counting. And so right. Zeke has two small scores, but all he needs to do is better one of the small scores in order to get more than a seven point heat total. And he'll obviously win the heat. So Kyle is literally praying to the, to the heavens. You could see him like holding his hands up, speaking to the, to the heavens 
and um <laughs> thank and his prayers apparently worked and no waves came in that amount of time and kyo ended up winning the heat so well so zeke got that little wave right like zeke caught a crappy little smaller backdoor wave pulled into a kind of a top tube you know a small backdoor wave and used that same doggy door exit but it was um less than like half of the same type of wave that kyle had had surfed to get his seven or a 6.53 and and he claimed it right heavily zeke was like oh i got it you know, i think he needed a 3.5 to advance right and he claimed it and there was some discussion and it ended up being a 3.1 just under what zeke needed and Kyle threw his board onto the sand in uh, exuberance. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Kyle was waiting on the beach for the score to be called. So it was a real dramatic moment on the beach. But what I loved about it was Kyle's post heat interview. Again, Please. again, more reasons to love Kyle is he explained all of that. And by the way, he even said, I think that the quote, I think the priority judge would understand the situation enough to see what had happened. And this goes back to what I was saying earlier, where Aren't these professionals like the judges? How is it that they're influenced by somebody claiming a wave? You know, like that's insane that they would be, but they clearly are. And in this instance, I, as the viewer, did not deem that to be a priority. The judges did. And I always defer. I'm like, well, the judges know more than I do. You know, they've got more angles, maybe whatever. But when Kyle's on the beach validating what I said, I go, oh yeah, no, it's the, the judges who are the ones who are somehow influenced by whatever I can't see on screen. Yeah. Well, let me just say that I did see one angle uh, that wasn't the straight on angle. The very first angle I saw when I, when I replayed it this morning was from a slightly like looking at the left, looking down, you know, just towards the sunset side of the peak, looking down at it. And it looked like I could see how that's an interference. I could see how there was maybe like a 30% chance that if Kyle wasn't there, he could have taken off behind the peak on the left, backdoored it on the left and gotten a score. Maybe. Yeah. And so from that angle, I thought, yeah, you know what? I, I think that that is an interference. And then I saw a completely different pulled back view, the angle that you're talking about, almost directly straight on. And it looked like there's absolutely no way that that he would have gotten even to his feet, maybe. Right. You know? Yeah. And I don't feel like Zeke even made the concerted effort. Well, like Zeke, the, Zeke was in position and kind of laying prone and paddling a little bit to suss it out, but he wasn't digging in. I mean, we have to look at a little bit of history here, too. I mean, does anyone put it past Zeke to do something so to you know, sort of tweak the uh, rules in his favor? No. No, we don't. No, we don't. And um, as one person put it in one of the comments on either Beach Grid or Stab or somewhere, I forget where, I, they basically said, and I'm sort of paraphrasing, but at this point, does everybody agree that Zeke's the biggest dick on tour? That's what the quote from the commentary <laughs> was. And, I think, uh, yeah. yeah. He, I'll tell you what, I think a lot of people would come to his defense and say, absolutely not. He is not. Yeah. But I think that uh, he's manufactured that persona, whether he intended to or not. And I think that he would be wise 
first of all, as a fan, I love this, right? You and I get to talk about it. It's fun stuff. It's, it's what real sport has in it. It has these dramas between competitors. And I think he would be wise to take the black hat that he already sort of has put on his head and really go with it. Well, absolutely. be that guy, be that guy, be the, be the guy that's like, damn right. I do it. It's within the rules and I'll do it again. Or, or however he would manifest whatever his you know yeah. talking point is on it. But I want him to own the black hat. Well, something is better than nothing. And otherwise he gives us nothing, you know, so he might as well because his personality otherwise is completely vapid, vac vacant. Like yeah. it, it just, he's not trying to be anything at all. And so, yeah, being something would be um, smart for a career strategy. And it, and that's the one that he's already defined, whether he likes it or not. So, but Look, um, if, you, if we saw Kyle and Zeke meet up in a heat at Sunset Beach, although that's kind of spread out, it would be better if it was in Portugal or wherever. It's going to be kind of must watch TV yeah. right now, as yeah. long as WSL reminds me about it, you know, if yeah. I don't forget. Well, um, to Kyle's credit in that post heat interview, he then talked about after he explained exactly that situation, he talked about, I would never uh, do something intentionally to jeopardize somebody else's uh, standing in the heat or safety at pipeline. He's like, I put in so much hard work to be in this position and I want to surf fair and square. I'm here to showcase my surfing. I would never rely on tactics like that. And so, and he even said, he got really emotional about it. And he even said, I was out there crying for the rest of the heat. And he started to cry again in the posting interview because he's like, this means the world to me. Like the amount of training I put in to have these opportunities to showcase my surfing means everything to me. I would never try to jeopardize it, you know? So it really endeared me to him further. You think his tears were tears of um, sort of, I don't want disgust that Zeke would do something that, that Kyle himself can't even fathom. I don't think they were directed at, at Zeke. I think they were an overwhelming of intense feelings. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I'm stoked for uh, Kyle. I'm with you. We've he's endeared if he, as if he could, he I has know. endeared himself more to us and to our hearts. And I'm stoked for Rusty Surfboards and Rusty Preisendorfer. And um, and Great we're look, up. David and Scott are rooting for Kyle. Yeah. Should have had others. him in my survival league. <laughs> well, that's so the big news really of the event was the world title. <laughs> the world title. Is, is this the big news? Really? Is the survival league? Did we miss the lead here? The big news is the world champs who are out of the event. Okay. Uh, Kelly Slater went down in the round of 32. Idolo went down in the round of 32. Um, and then other just, and eventually uh, Gabriel Medina is now out of the event. But um, Kanoa went down in the round of 32, who's a multi-time, two-time pipe finalist. Griffin Colopinto isn't a finalist, but you would have expected him to do well. He went down in the round of 32. Baron Mamiya, you would expect it to do well, went down in the round of 32. So yeah, it has, has wreaked havoc on the Survival League. I think 64% of the Survival League got eradicated yesterday, which is insane. That is an all-time um, bloodletting. 
And I was, Amazing. we were both among them. So, I mean, just, I think listeners already know who our picks were, but I had Kelly for the event, which statistically is the safest pick of any survival event across all the years. Kelly at Pipeline is the statistically most winning surfer at any event ever. And, and, and that, that's the beauty of survival because I think 53% of the players chose Kelly far and away the most chosen uh, yeah. surfer Why and uh, you were one of them and you lost the, out and and now I, I lost hold, out too. I hold resentment against Kelly. Um, he shouldn't have lost that heat, by the way. That's the other thing. And this is why I've been calling a spade a spade when it comes to Kelly Slater for, I'd say the last five or seven years is because yeah. it's been a decade since he won a world title. It's been up until, up until the pipe event last year, it had been, I don't know, six years since he had won an event even, you know? And so we all think of how great he is and that's all true, but it's also in the rearview mirror, most of it, you know? And so his, his real performances are stuff like this where there it, not only should he have won that heat, but there's a couple of waves that he just simply should have made. Like he's coming out of the door, coming out of the little chandelier at back door. And he somehow gets knocked off by a small, you know, three foot wave. So I was critical of Kelly's performance. I think Kelly was unhappy with his performance. He kind of said as much in his post heat interview with Strider, where he was still in the water. Guy wasn't even getting out of the water. Um, but my question to you when it comes to Kelly Slater is, will he make the midseason cut? Well, it's funny you say that because I was just looking at the schedule and I was saying to myself, does he even give a shit? No. Like if you look at the next one's sunset, yeah. he, he's obviously not a big fan. He could easily just like, I don't know, somehow not the surfing round of 32. It. Yeah. And then they go to Portugal, which I guess is a fun wave, but not really like something you go, yeah, Kelly's going to win that event. What if Portugal is the same as it was last year where it was three feet and kind of windy? Yeah. And fly all the way to Europe just for that. Like there's only one event, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And then they go to Australia. I could see Kelly missing the next two events and just going to Australia. I don't think he would do that. I could see him getting a third, a, you know, a set equal 17th. At the he's, next a, he's in Hawaii. So he's going to surf sunset. But I can so, see him getting an equal yeah. 17th. Right. No, no, for sure. I was yeah. just suggesting maybe he just skips sunset and just goes to Australia to do business. And then, you know, April yeah. comes along and he's there for the event. Right. I don't know. Yeah. It's an interesting, I mean, look, it's all going to be a reflection of his headspace. So if his head is in it and he wants to win it, then he can make it past the round of 32. I'm not convinced his head is in it. I'm not convinced his head has been in it for years. I think when the waves get absolutely pumping, that's the motivating factor for Kelly at this point. And that's what we saw last year at Pipe. But short of that, I don't I, see him mustering the, the interest. I'm glad you brought this up because I have a way to um, almost guarantee that the waves are always absolutely pumping and it's different than my normal uh tirade about the purple blob tour what if david and listen to me i've got a format change after sunset you cut the tour to 22 surfers with two wild cards so now you're at 24 so you go from 32 to 24 after sunset after the first two events and the reason i say this is what i mentioned earlier i watched yesterday's thing and it wasn't must watch tv it was kind of like okay yeah it's four to six foot pipe kind of laying not very good getting better maybe 
you know, it just wasn't as engaging as like a day at the Eddy or just one day events. Right. So we cut the tour to 22 after sunset after Australia, we cut it to 14. So now we're going into events where we only need one day to run it, which means we can just focus on the perfect day in the two week waiting period. After J Bay, we cut it to eight. Now we go to Tahiti with only eight surfers and they're vying for the final five. And then we go to five for the final five. This is the exact and we just same have time one day right? events. Don't you, don't you love the idea of just one day events? Yeah. And guess what? Oh, by the way, you can now have more events in good waves. You can yeah. now have more events in good waves instead of one long event in whatever. You go, this is not going to be my exact same tirade. This is the exact same tirade. <laughs> a smaller tour is the tirade. Yes, that is the answer. Run a smaller tour. There's no, and, but you're the version that you're giving now, there's no need to even start with 32. I agree. Yeah. But I love uh, the idea of get, you got to give the pros 32 guys because if I'm, you know, if, if in a normal pipeline situation, I love the idea of weeding out guys after Hawaii. Like if you can't cut it in two events in Hawaii, you're out. I don't need yeah. to see you in friggin' Portugal or wherever. Yeah. Well, it is interesting. It's really actually cool to see Liam O'Brien, you know, surf as well as he did and push through to the quarterfinals and Joe Alcianca doing what he's doing, stuff like that. Those storylines are incredible to watch. But yeah, you, we could have those storylines in a feeder for a feeder system. Um that then gave them birth or access into this system. But yeah, there's no question about it that the events are bloated and that it needs to be reworked. I mean, look, we'll talk, I guess we, we'll just hit it now. Running the women in the conditions that they ran in yes, uh, two days ago was deplorable. I mean, it is an affront to women's surfing to put them in those conditions. And so the, I, 10 years ago or back in the magazine days, I totally understood why events were being run in crappy surf. And it was because it, it, there were, it was so bloated. There were so many moving parts and there we needed a two week window that we picked a year in advance. And when we showed up, if we didn't get swell in that window, then we're screwed. We just have to run in dribbly surf. But it's like, we're not limited by any of that stuff anymore. We can have the 12 best surfers in the world surfing the best waves in the world 12 times a year. Simple as that, full stop, that should be the full focus. And so it is regressive, you know, to do what they did two days ago. Like there's no point in running the women in those conditions. And by the way, they could have just held off for a day and ran them in the conditions that we had yesterday. There was no reason to run all the women that one day and all the men yesterday. So it does feel like an assault on the gender, you know, as opposed to just, well, yeah. half of our athletes, full stop, men and women, half of them are going to get a bad day and half of them are going to get a better day. That's not the way they run it. They go, you females are going to get a day that is uncontestable. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an affront. It's, it's, it's and, yeah. and talking. There's a talking lot about, of people that are questioning that day in particular. It's literally the worst day of surfing that I can remember on the books in a long time since we've been doing this as far as I'm concerned. But the other thing about it is <laughs> you just pretty said, big claim. I'm going through, I was, I was tracking the timeline real quickly in my head. Uh, the other thing that you said about yesterday, kind of tuning in, tuning out of the day, 
I'm hardcore into it and I could not tune in the day before. Like I want to watch. I I will, <laughs> you have my full attention and I still couldn't watch the day before. And yeah. so what does that say for building an audience and all that sort of thing? And then the WSL's answer inevitably would be, we got a lot of heats we got to get through. We have to just run them. And it's like, no, you, you guys, what you have to do is present good waves to the best, best athletes in the world. That's the number one thing that you are responsible for as the world surf league, all of the other stuff, other people can like, we can figure out that other stuff. That's no problem. How to do it. But David, what do I do about 32 surfers plus 24 women? What do I do, David? Hey, do who he figured out how to do that? The oh, Eddie what you figured, do is you the, cut the number of yeah, surfers that's what that I'm you saying. have to put in good the ways. Eddie, the Eddie figured out how to do that. Like the structuring of the event, we have figured out how to do over and over. The NSSA figures out how to, like that part, you could re, you could figure that out. That's easy. That's on, that's a, uh, you know, a spreadsheet on a piece of paper and you can hire somebody with a college degree to figure out how to do that. What you're responsible for is putting the best surfers in the world in the best waves. Okay. So what does that mean? That means you can't have 32 of them and 17 of right. the women traveling around the world 11 times a year. You know what I mean? So, okay, that spreadsheet now looks a little bit smaller, but you should be, you should not be working towards the form. You should not be designing events for the format. You're designing the format for the best waves with the best surfers in the world in them. Full stop, because otherwise we're not watching. Otherwise you tee right. it all up. You have drug addicts i am addicted to this drug i want to watch this two days ago i will forego work i will forego my family obligations to watch this thing i'm already addicted and then you don't give it to me you know what i mean like that is an affront not only to me but again to the women to the gender look you've got eight months to get to the final five take 12 men take 12 women you just need one day to run the event, you co-mingle the heats, overlapping men and women, and just give me one day, a month, one day a month. You know how, you know it's not a proper pipe event is when Felipe Toledo is in the quarterfinals. (laughs) Touche, you're right, you're absolutely right. That just came in through DM, by the way, I just poached that from a listener. Well, the the, again- That's from Chance, by the way. Chance, shout out, that was a good one. You know, the my whole thing about it is Hawaii is the spot where yeah. we're starting off the season. Let's get rid of some of these people. Well, hey, they don't need to be. If you can't surf Hawaii good, you don't even need to be in the picture. There's more specifics about this event, though, that we do need to discuss. What about uh, John John's reaffirming of his yeah. mastery at Pipeline last night? Well, I don't even know if reaffirming is the right. I mean, he when did he lose his mastery? He's always been affirmed. Well, uh, there was a round one heat with him and Gabriel Medina, which is the battle that we really want to see. Those two guys go head to head and Gabe won that heat. And it wasn't, neither of them had huge scores. It was kind of like they were trading sixes. But, you know, little things like that where you're just like, you expect the best in the world to just be able to pull up nines yeah, but round, on repeat again, round one's one of those crappy rounds where it's like, I, eh, I just got to get second to get through. Agreed. And- Agreed. And that's what happened. But again, in my head, I just go, ah, John, John, question mark. Like, I guess 
Kelly lost out there today. So I, it can happen. But John paddled out last, yesterday in the last heat of the day uh, against Miguel Pupo and arguably got two perfect rides. He did not yeah. get two perfect scores. And that is a storyline in and of itself. Um, the, the first wave was an absolute running long multiple sections multiple times you thought that he would have wiped out backdoor barrel and uh magically comes out i'll tell you what how you know it's a 10 is when the live cameraman gives up on the surfer and pans away and that's what happened <laughs> Good point. i mean yeah, and that's yeah. what happened so john fooled the cameraman he fooled a lot of us thankfully the other camera angles got the full ride but he fooled the cameraman the cameraman gave up on him panned away and then john pops up out down the line and uh I think three judges gave it a 10 and ultimately the other two dragged the score down to a nine, nine. If you're a cameraman, are you allallowed to be fooled by John, John Florence? Like, no, isn't no. that unprofessional? Are you telling me you can't just hold it for another three seconds? You, you don't have faith. This is what I'm talking about. Greatest surfer ever at pipe might come out of that section, which we've <laughs> seen before. Oh, by the way, from guys like Kelly Slater, this is what I'm talking about when it comes to shouldn't, the priority judge understand what was happening in the lineup. Shouldn't the actual judges not be influenced by somebody pumping a fist? Shouldn't the cameraman follow John John until he sees him bobbing, you know, in the ocean? Yes, he should. The answer is yes. In insane. Insane. Yeah. Clown show. Yeah. That's, that's uh, not Emmy award-winning uh, performance by the camera guy. Nope. Uh, well, in the quarterfinals, we have Jordy Smith versus Leonardo Fioravante, who's bringing the heat. I love Leo this event. Um, yeah. Don't you? Well, the, the sort of the cool side note is he beat Griffin Colapinto, right? And, of course, Griffin sort of took the Quicksilver sponsorship that Leo yeah. had. And so I think it was Stab, maybe Holden Trenka. Um yeah wrote a little piece and I was reading it and he was mentioning how it's, it's sort of a Godfather ask moment, you know? Yeah. I like it. Uh, Liam O'Brien versus Kyle Abelli in quarterfinal heat. Number two, Felipe Toledo versus, versus Giao, Joao Chianca. Yeah. That's uh, the heat to watch. I, in my opinion, that's no way. John, John versus Robbo. Well, of course, but I, look right now, Jow's I got Jow on the brain. And I, as I watched the competition unfold, the guy that just looks I know professional, that looks hungry, that yeah. looks like he'll give his firstborn to get out of this heat is Jao Chianka. Yeah. And he looked that way last year in Hawaii. Yeah, he did. And he looks this, he looks that way. He like, there's guys like Kanoa, for example, or maybe the Monizes, or, or you're just kind of like, I don't sense that they're real hungry. I, yeah. and it's not, and it's not that it's more that Jiao looks friggin' hungry. It looks like he's here for a reason. He's not here to have shave eyes. No, he looks sharp as hell. Um, a lot actually kind of in the way that Felipe often has, you know, like that same level of spice and fervor. He's got that in his surfing. So yeah, he's got it all. He got he's charges. He could do huge airs. He's got tons of power. So I would love to see Joao uh, take out Felipe in that heat. And then of course, John John versus uh, an also very, very informed Jack Robinson. So pretty exciting. Uh, the unfortunate thing is that the waves are going to be less, I think, uh, 
exciting than they were yesterday. So you got that to contend with, which could find Felipe Toledo sitting with his first world uh, pipe masters. Oh yeah. Well, hate to tell you. Yeah. we'll see how it unfolds. And um, if so that's whatever, that's fine. That's just, uh, you know, again, mother nature sort of throwing the WSL curveball. Yeah. Um, what else was I going to say about this? Well, um, the waves aren't looking, the forecast isn't looking too good, right? No, it isn't. Um, oh, I know what I was going to talk about was hold, hold that thought. Hold okay. That thought. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Real water sports, David, guess what? I'm going on surf trip. I'm going to need, uh, a six foot six inch, uh, triple bag. And, um, guess where I can get one realwatersports.com online. They'll have it shipped to my house in a number of days. And I'll be loading that bad boy with three killer sleek blades. It'll be insane. Real water sports. This is the place you go when you need hard goods. Oh, by the way, they have soft goods as well. I've got my, I'm in the Stokes zone hat, not on now, but I wear it often in the surf, uh, realwatersports.com. What are your thoughts on the beauty that is real water sports shipping hard goods straight to your door? I'm glad you mentioned hard good versus soft good because that's my exact question. If you are air traveling, do you go hard case No. for your boards? No. Man, I posted an Instagram video this past week of uh, the baggage handlers at American Airlines throwing some surfboards around. Yeah. yeah. And it's like the, the, the soft case is great for the car vehicle, for the car transport. But what about the hard case? They do sell those hard cases and those things are okay, money. Well- that video you showed has me asking you one question. Is it better to have a super heavy board bag that they can't really throw around? Or is it better to have a small light one where they're like, oh, I can kind of gently put this off to the side. Is it the big heavy ones that they just go, oh, and they just like heave it? Great question. I don't more, know. More I think revealed. a hard case solves it all. Yeah, hard case is kind of gnarly, but. Uh, I, I don't own one. I never have, but I know they exist. And I'm thinking that solves all of this. But it's going to be hard in your hands too. <laughs> so, so then you're trying to travel through the vehicle with your vehicle in a hard case makes it a lot more cumbersome. So it's like it's a tough predicament. Yeah, I'm just I always look at it like if all my boards break, what am I going to do? And the answer is somebody's going to have a board for me. I'll just buy a board from somebody. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, well, at any rate, you can get it all at realwatersports.com, which by the way, if you make a surfboard purchase, you can get the accessories for 15% off. So that's a smoking deal right there. Heck to the yes. Okay, well, look, realwatersports.com. Go there now. Idolo. Yeah. Leonardo. No, Idolo. Idolo, um, you know, so he lost in the round of 32 and there was just waves that remember Idolo two years ago, the year he won the world title for sure. And everything leading up to that, the guy never fell and he would go on 15 waves in a heat and he, they'd be big waves, small waves. You do huge airs, get barrel, whatever. And he just didn't fall ever. And he really felt unstoppable it's the opposite of that. Now he goes on eight waves. He falls on six of them. And it's like, he has the same, I don't know. There's a, I don't know. I feel like he has the same energy level as before. 
just the make rate is just so much lower. And um, I'm wondering, like, yeah. can you, can you overtrain? Is he, well, is I he think just over, like, overthinking, I maybe. think is his problem. I, you know, there's this thing, it's sort of like in most, well, in all sport, really in any activity that you do, when you don't think about it, you end, end up doing it much better performing the act uh, much more um, in a relaxed sort of, I guess, Zen-like moment. For example, if I told you right now to scratch your head, you'd go like this and you'd scratch your head. Yeah. But if you went, oh, take my arm, bend it at 90 degrees, curl my fingers like this, move them towards my head, begin moving my fingers and watch the ligaments, you know, like you're not going to do a very good job. And I think that two years ago, or whenever he was like, just kind of spontaneous, that's exactly what he was. He was spontaneous. He was flying around surfing and he wasn't thinking and he's, and yeah. it looked like he wasn't thinking you watch him. You're like, what was he thinking? But Oh my God, he did a triple rotation. Yeah. Now it looks like he's thinking he's got a coach in his head going, okay, only catch you're catching too many waves. Why don't you just catch four waves and maximize those and make sure you do that end thing at the end. And, but you know, and it's, he's just not spontaneous. Oh, 100%. <clears throat> But I don't think that he's even thinking, okay, catch four waves. I think he's thinking, how do I keep this popularity train running? Like, how do I keep this money coming in? How do I keep this fame coming in? How do I keep this attention keep coming in? And you know what? The way that I got here was through surfing and surfing radically. So I need to keep surfing radically. But the end goal is actually different than surfing. The end goal is this adulation that he's found through surfing. And I think that's what showcases in his surfing. Wow. That's that's pretty deep thought. I, I mean, like yeah. I mean, it's evident through the glistening ad photos. <laughs> um, I'm just, it's disappointing to see such, such a talent kind of... Uh, you know. He'll snap back. He's going to snap back. I don't know. I don't know. She, but she but leaves way, him. He'll snap back. <laughs> she, dude, he's left her. I think he's left her multiple times. Oh, I don't know. I have, is. I have no idea. I don't, I don't know. Who, it, it's always somebody different. I'm just saying he posts with these supermodels all the time, and it's always a different one. Um, Gabriel Medina also looked in fine, fine form. He ultimately lost to Jack Robinson in the round of 16. But I think Gabe looks incredible for the season. I have a thought. Okay. What if Ela? Could you see, like the worst case scenario playing out, where Ela things kind of continue to unravel, and Ela becomes a Brazilian rap star? Yes. Like he goes full gold blending. Like he gets he gets his grill all grilled up with gold. He goes rap star, and he gets kind of a some like Brazilian company signs him to a little deal, and he puts out an album. And yeah, yeah, I could see I could that. see. I could see Idolo getting offered some sort of a reality TV gig before uh, his surfing career is over and him taking that gig again, adulation, more celebrity. I'll take it. So he takes that and then that ends up becoming his main pursuit. So then through that, you know, a record label goes, Hey, well, you should just release a, do a rap do actually come be featured on this other rapper song so it starts there that's the gateway drug and then he ends up right. doing his own rap then he's got a holiday album out in 2025 <laughs> that you and i <laughs> sign me up for the holiday album right now and then there's like he, he Edolo, and taylor swift <laughs> exactly and then there's Edolo, um uh you know energy drink 
down the pipe. I think it'll be more of a crash and burn. I think it'll be more of a vanilla ice thing. Like there'll be a one album wonder just based on, oh, it's Idolo, let's check it out. And then it'll be more like he's on some sort of like celebrity, you know, yeah, big brother or something. It is a chase down to the bottom, but the celeb, but the uh, energy drink deal does happen. It's just, it's only available at Walmart, you know, that sort of a thing. Right. So anyways, good luck with all of that. (laughs) (laughs) Holy mackerel. We don't wish that upon you, my friend. We want to see the spontaneity, bring it back. Yeah, you're just not. It's early. These early harbingers are just not boding well for your next world title. Um, well, hey, what about we got to hit on the WSL trans policy? Whether or not you want to step in a pile, <laughs> you got to You got to It's a huge. Oh my! It's a huge news story that we have to address. Yeah. What well, look. It? Let me. Like I always. Let me start off. Anytime we talk about trans or LGD. TBQ already or any of that stuff. Let me just say I've that already stepped I am in. I am ignorant, I am naive, and I don't know what I'm talking about. And I'm I sure think- there are people out there that do. However, with that being said, let me talk about it. By the way, I think they're called the Alphabet Mafia now. Who's who's the Alphabet Mafia? The, the LGBTQ, people that are listening? No, LGBTQ plus who police you for not getting uh, oh. LGBTQ correct. Are oh, now known as the Alphabet Mafia. Don Corleone of the exactly. LGBTQ. You're going to get canceled because uh, you got it wrong. <clears throat> I I really don't know uh, what, well, the what answer the, is. What did the WSL do? I I believe that they. Um, well, I don't know. You tell me. What I did see was that a lot of people spoke out about it'd be cool if there was a trans division. Maybe that's a solution. Well, just no, but a first of all, the WSL. A week ago, the WSL changed the rules to allow for trans athletes to compete based on the Olympic IOC's own rule book. Yeah, everyone, all of the sports, by the way, are following what the IOC does. That's kind of the the template that everyone's adopting. Correct. And do you know what that template states? Yeah, more or less. um, And again, I'm going to butcher it, but I believe it states that if you have a year of being already trans transformed, is it, or what is it called? Transform transformation transitioned. And then you have hormone levels that are below a certain number. Then you are now officially uh, either a male or a female or a trans. Well, no, you can compete. You can compete in that division. Right. So it's so, this hormone level thing. So it's all based on hormone levels being measured for 12 months. Correct. Right. Thank okay. You. So, the WSL changed the rules, implemented that rule unceremoniously. They didn't, as far as I know, did not release a, pr- a press release or anything like that. They just quietly changed the rules. Well, I started getting texts uh, six days ago, like, hey, when did this happen? Here's a screenshot of the rule book. Did you know about this? Like, is this something that they stated six months ago that I just like slipped past me or whatever? And I'm like, I don't know. And Chaz and I were both on one of those texts. And so I was like, well, Chaz is going to run with this. I'm sure it'll be on beach grid in five minutes. And he didn't. And the next day I woke up and the inertia had written an article about it. Hmm. And so it became news. And um, to be perfectly honest, I never really replied to any of those text messages or factored into my show notes because I don't really care that much uh, to be perfectly honest, because I don't think it'll ever have real world implications. 
I don't yeah. envision uh, a trans athlete coming up through the ranks and compete, you know, a male born human being transitioning to a female and competing on the women's WSLCT tour or whatever. And maybe it will happen. Maybe I'm my, I'm maybe I'm short-sighted, but I just don't envision that becoming a problem. So this was not necessarily a news story to me, but it is newsworthy in the broader context of the implications. And it became newsworthy when Bethany Hamilton decided to take to Instagram to address the policy. And What's interesting is that also really shouldn't be that newsworthy. You know what I mean? <laughs> like Bethany is totally entitled to her opinion. Her saying some her and like it, whatever she's saying isn't offensive anyways. She is not anti-trans in any way, shape or form. She's not anti anybody. As far as I could tell, she seems to be a totally loving human being. And so I just feel like this is somebody taking Instagram, giving their opinion. It's also shouldn't be newsworthy, but it made a huge splash because people do feel incredibly divided by um what this means for their own life for some reason you know what i mean like if trans people exist sometimes heterosexual conservative people feel like that's a threat to their existence and so they can't have trans people existing anywhere and so yeah. and and vice versa and everything in between which is bizarre that's the bizarre part of this but it became newsworthy when bethany hamilton took to instagram essentially and denounced what the wsl was doing and bethany hamilton's the way that she did it was i'm just going to pose some questions you know how is this good for women surfing does this progress the sport you know some real simple questions and in stated outrightly i'm not anti-trans but what she was for was biologically born females competing against like biologically born females to see who the best surfer is with this, you know, uh, genetic predisposition. That's what Bethany Hamilton is for. And specifically for those of us who have spent our entire life working towards these goals, you know, 20 plus years working towards these goals, having our chances undercut by a rule change that allows a different um, genetic makeup an advantage over us. That was her her concern. I think that's a valid concern. Yeah. <clears throat> I do, and I don't. I don't think the proof is in the pudding. The changes are con the uh, rules are constantly changing by the IOC because they still don't know. Yeah. They are still learning about what hormone levels. That like next year. The, one of the reasons why this didn't make a big press release is that. These rules are adapting and evolving as we speak, and each sport gets something from the IOC in the mail or whatever, and they're like, oh, okay, time to adapt the rule a little bit, and they make a little tweak to the rule, and it gets changed, and it's it's just, it, that's what's happening here is it, it's an organic rule, you know, it's constantly moving, the target's moving, and um, I would agree with Bethany, though, I think that, well, let me ask you this, this is my interesting, like, my naive, ignorant self is okay with women transitioning to men yeah. surfing against the men, but I don't think it's okay for men transitioning to women to surf against the women, because I believe that most of the strength and, and the muscle growth and the, the way that you're formed um, happens, you know, puberty is a big part of it. And when a man goes through puberty, he yeah. gets some stuff, he gets some stuff. Yeah. And then to go get that stuff and then transition with all that stuff. I don't know. But again, sounds pretty ignorant when you say stuff. You don't even know, you know, 
Yeah, but I think that what you're talking about, Bethany did touch on, which is, are the hormone levels the only thing that you're measuring here? Is 12 months of hormone levels the only measurement? Because that seems insufficient. The totality of womanhood and the totality of manhood, again, those things are in quotes, is the sum of an infinite number of parts that are almost impossible to measure, except by these two chromosomes, by the way. Yeah. You know what I mean? XX and XY, you can in fact measure them. And so yeah. that's the that's what we have been measuring all along, but they come with this totality of a lot of it is um, physicality, like you're talking about, that do lend itself. So yes, all of that is true, what you're saying, but I think kind of pushing aside morality or anything else, what we want is interesting sporting, right? And we've designed these rules to create this real pointy end where it's like, okay, we have top level athletes who are all similar in this way, right here, competing to find out who is the best at this thing with these specific, this specific body type, these specific predispositions. And that's what makes it interesting. It's no longer interesting if you put a tiger in the mix, you know, because the tiger is just so different. A tiger and a bear fighting is less, in, I mean, that's kind of interesting too, but it's less interesting than watching these two finely tuned heavyweights go blow for blow under these rules that we understand and these predispositions that we understand. And so that's what we're excited about with sport. When you undercut it with a complete curveball that we don't understand, which by the way, nobody fully understands at this point in human evolution, then it undercuts the sport itself. And I think that's where the real crux is for these true hardcore surf fans. We can't figure out how to wrap our brains around something that's that different, someone, not something, but a concept that is that different competing with this well-established concept that we fine-tuned so much. You know, It's not a personal assault or a personal affront. It's just, we want to see the best sporting under these pre-understood concepts. Yeah, we don't want apples and oranges and we we're not sure if it's apples and oranges or if it's all apples or if right. it's oranges. Or if it's like some sort of like blood orange that's not really an orange, but is definitely not an apple. And right. it's just it's just not clear. It's not clear enough to change the rules yet. And <clears throat> so you brought up a great point earlier, which was considering we don't understand that, let's make a trans division. That makes sense. You know, or if let's or just not. have open, or just open division or just open division. Guess I mean, what? It's like, I don't care. I don't really care. Yeah. You know, like, I'm, well, I I'm do not, care. I want to see like, who the best surfer at pipeline is. Yeah. Well, okay. But my point is this, is that, and again, sounds ignorant probably is there are huge problems facing society. We have a massive energy crisis. That's about to befall us that yeah. nobody seems to even be acknowledging. We have climate issues that are tied to that energy crisis. Um, how are we going to transition from oil and gas to um, clean energy. You know, we can't put both feet into the leg, into the pants at once, both legs into the pants at once. We got to do one. You know. Anyway, my point is there's much bigger, bigger and more important stuff. Now, if individually you're like, Hey, it's important to me. Okay, great. But it's not important to me or yeah. us as a society, <clears throat> whether you have a trans division in the surfing category, you know, I, right. I kind of just don't give a shit. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm busy with way more important stuff to me personally. Yeah. So yeah, you yeah. do you, I'll do me. I love you. You love me. All is good. Well, 
along with that, I also feel uh, not everybody is entitled to everything. So it's unfortunate that if you are trans, you have less access to do things than if you weren't trans, but I'm also not talented enough to be a pro surfer. So I don't get to compete in the pro surf thing. You know what I mean? And so this professional surfing competition, which by the way, isn't all of professional surfing. You could still be a professional surfer without competing over here, but the professional surfing competition is reserved for very, very few. And yeah, I'm trying to whittle it down to eight people. I don't want to. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So for, so I feel like, yeah, trans people, bad news. You're not one of those people that can do this thing. You know what I mean? Like, that's just the way that life is. Look, they have like, um, challenged athletes Olympics. They should just have trans Olympics. They should have XX Olympics, XY Olympics, you know, like I'm fine with that. And also, I'm also fine with a open division. Yeah, open like, division. Open division. Several. Carissa Moore, yeah. you are welcome to come compete on the men's side. Whatever, you know, like, and and if you can't hang and it ends up being all men in the end through a meritocracy, that's okay too. There's a women's division as well. You know what I mean? But And part of me wants just the market to decide, like, yeah. does anyone want to watch this? Like, does anyone care? You know well, what I mean? We'll, like the market we'll will point. tell us. Yeah. The market will tell us whether anyone cares about this. Yeah, and, we might get to that. You know, point. like- it's kind of like uh, MMA, like when MMA came on the scene in the nineties or whatever, there was people who were like, but guess what? People wanted to watch it. And so it yeah. blew up into this massive thing. Totally. And the market well, will dictate whether we give a shit about this or not. Well, my, my Duke is Bethany Hamilton for having the, you know, uh, courage to take on a really, really controversial topic and one that's fraught with just so much animosity. Like there's no doubt that Bethany Hamilton will lose followers, fans, all that sort of stuff based on her statements, even though her statements were not controversial. Her statements were questions and also opinion. What? Well, of note, it made the Washington post yesterday. Yeah. There you go. Bethany Hamilton's statements. It made mainstream media. So right. And, it's going to blow up on her. And, and to, be, um, to be perfectly honest, she's not that well-spoken. Like she's trepidatious in her delivery. She's worried, you know, it's not like a super. Yeah. She needs I to have done learn a second from take. me. She needs to throw <laughs> ignorance and naive right out at the beginning. You know what I mean? But, but again, that's why I applaud her for her courage because to be perfectly honest, I think a lot of the women on tour, she's not even on tour, but she competes yeah, yeah. in WSL events regularly. But yeah. a lot of women on tour um, feel upset probably about this ruling and want to speak up about it, but don't want to uh, rattle any cages or lose any followers. And uh, so I applaud Bethany Hamilton. Whatever your stance is, I applaud you for being able to have the courage to kind of bring it up and speak your mind about it. And then my my hook of the week is honestly the WSL. This week has been an assault on women's surfing for this and for the other thing. And yeah. here's, here's my problem with the WSL. Yeah. A real lack of direction and pointed vision. And so they blow ideologically, whatever way the wind blows. And this week, this is what uh, is pop pop culture. And so they're going to blow this way next week. It's something else. 
When Black Lives Matter, that's what they're posting out on Instagram. When me, you know what I mean? And so that is problematic for me because you should have, if you are the arbiters of surfing, you should have a very clear pointed vision for what surfing is, what the league is, what the league is about, what you want to accomplish and not changing policy and rules regularly, which by the way, they are. And so it's not just making a public statement about things to try to virtue signal. It's also changing rules, which by the way, are proven to be meaningless because they just change them again next year, next season. So that win sock mentality of being limp and then blowing every, whatever direction public culture wants you to blow is completely doing a disservice to surfing because we should be dictating what we, you know, surfing is very, what it demands of you, what it requires of you, what it delivers for you. The lessons learned are very clear and concise and powerful, and you can't get them anywhere else in the world. And that's what surfing is. And so that's what you should be leading with. You should understand that. That's what you should be leading with. Not waiting for direction from everybody else who doesn't have this gift that we have. Wow. Well stated. Um, good stuff. Uh, look, I'm at a loss. I have a hard out as well. Um, I think, I think that this is kind of a non-story, by the way. Like, it's not really a story until it's a story. Yeah. Until there's some man that transitioned to a woman that's surfing in round one of a QS event somewhere and absolutely demolishes, like, is obviously, <laughs> I don't know. It's the whole thing's, the whole thing's, like I said, there's way bigger issues that we as a society have to face than whether a transitioned athlete is getting fair, fair shake or not. Yeah. Okay. Well, Until next time, David. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Pipe Masters finishes today. Who's your pick? John John. John John for sure. John John Joao in the uh they meet in the semis. I was gonna say that'd be a good rematch from last year, but they'll meet. Yeah, in the semis. that's gonna be a crazy heat. And and of course, you and I both were big fans of of uh Kyle. Yeah, Kyle and John. What about John on the, the women's side? Great question. I didn't I didn't watch any of that competition because the waves are too crappy. Oh, I do have women on my fantasy surf team, so um yeah, um, it looks like I, just for the record, still in it. It's uh yeah, it's down to the semifinals. It's Lakey Peterson versus Tyler Wright and Carissa versus Betty Lou Sakura Johnson. Uh, any of those last two, I'll take either of I'll those take. last two, Betty Lou or Carissa Morto for the win. Give me Carissa. Okay, David. Great show. Um, sure. We're going to get a lot of hate mail, but maybe not. Who knows? Send uh, it to Scott Bassett. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. We will not be giving out our email. No, look, people can DM us. if. And if, look, I'm sure I'm going to get some people saying, oh, I can't believe you said that. And I'm going to be like, oh, you don't know me then. <laughs> how, how are you even concerned about that anymore after all these years? I, don't, I have no idea. Uh, you know, I'm, you know, don't uh, let me be the, your arbiter of uh, the culture wars because I'll lead you down the wrong path. Nobody does. Until next time, David, adios and aloha.